lot of, a lot of babies. <laughs> it's exciting. Last time we did this, I don't think we had that many people. I think there was more people in our, on the stage last time than there were in the church last time. So, um, Well, my parents were, uh, were pretty protective of me growing up. They really tried to you know, keep an eye on who I was being influenced by. And I remember when I was in junior high, I had a neighbor um, right next door. He was a college student, and I was in junior high. And I thought this guy was really cool because he would skateboard, and he would do all the things that I, I really wanted to be able to do. And, you know, he would surf, and he'd skateboard. And... But he did these strange things. Sometimes in the middle of the night, or real late at night, he'd come home, and he'd be singing and outside. And it's because he'd have a little too much to drink at his college parties. And so my parents were always like, oh you got to stay away from this guy. Don't, you know, don't talk to, to your neighbor, Sean, to our neighbor, Sean. And I was like, you know, over time I started seeing some of the unusual behavior that he started, you know, doing late at night. But he was an art student also at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And so he would create these aluminum foil um, uh, yard art sculptures. <laughs> and he'd prop them up in his parents' yard. And my parents were completely convinced that he was just crazy. And so they were... They're like, you got to stay away from Sean. Well, then there came a point in his life where he was at a party and he was, he was wasted. And, and he looked up from, his, from just sitting there. And he, at this party, there was a TV playing a baseball game. And at, in the baseball game, they were panning the crowd. And someone had a sign that said John 3.16. And you've probably seen that before at baseball games or different places. And so he, he knew that was from the Bible. He, he went home, found a Bible, he read it, and he decided he wanted to become a follower of Christ through that, through that sign, basically. He, he pursued, you know, what does this really mean? He surrendered his life to Christ. And he's one, one person who, um, sometimes when you make commitments, it's often difficult to keep them, he really kept his commitment. The next day he was really a different person. Christ had, you know, come into his life and... and begun to change him. It was almost an immediate change. It was like really confusing to my parents and they were like, still stay away from him. We don't know if we can trust him. But um, over time, he really began to grow. Um, some different, he got really close to some different uh, men in his church and uh, my dad as well started helping him grow. And so this guy starts growing and maturing in the Lord to the point where they were willing to let me trust him or where they were willing to let me go with him places. So he took me to the beach. We went on surf trips. We went camping trips. He would have Bible study with me. And it's interesting because this guy, Sean, probably had, apart from my parents, probably had the greatest influence on my life in junior high and high school because I really, once he became a Christian, I really began to look up to him. I didn't know anybody my age that really took God seriously. And even though I didn't take God seriously in those years, he was really trying to help me get it. He was really trying to help me connect with God. It was really important to him to spend time with me, and, and it really left a huge impression on me. So when, when I was 18 and I decided, okay, I want to follow Christ with my life, um, I remember calling Sean and just letting him know, hey, I don't know if you understand how much of an impression you've had on me, but just watching your life change and seeing your life come under God's control has really left a mark on my life. And, and to this day, you know, just he's a friend. We live far away from each other, and um, but I've just really appreciated that. We have an opportunity. We're going to look at a passage in um, 
in Matthew chapter 5. And there's a listening guide if you'd like to follow along. It's in your bulletin. And at the top of the listening guide it says this. It says, all of us have the opportunity to influence others. And we're just briefly going to look at a passage here and kind of finish up, wrap up a message series of Jesus' this section of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus talked about what it means to be blessed by God, or to find to have experienced God's favor or happiness in your life, how do you experience that? We looked at, you know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the pure in heart, the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, um, blessed are. Um, we looked at the, I think I already said meek, but you know, humbling ourselves before others. So he talks about all these things, and then, and then he goes into this next passage. And he begins to talk about the power of influence. How we have a great opportunity to influence people with our lives. Just getting around people, spending time with people. You and I can leave a real impression on on others. And our lives are not to be lived in isolation. Sometimes we think, I'm just going to isolate myself from the world. I'm going to isolate my family from the world and protect them because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to us. And, and so Jesus here in this passage, he begins to talk about the power of influence and how you have to handle this responsibly. Um, so let's look at this passage together. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says this. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? For it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Then he says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So again, he's talking about the divine characteristics that will bring blessing into your life. And then he follows that up and he says, your call then is to take what you've received, take, the, take God's favor that, that's in you, and, and share that with other people. You're to involve yourselves in the lives of others. If you really want to experience joy and happiness, and if you want that to last, then the only way to do that is to really share it with others. Because according to these verses, it's impossible to be salt and light and to do nothing with it, to not, to not be in others' lives. Those things are pointless. Salt kept to itself is pointless without it. So a couple of principles I want to draw out of this, because Jesus gives two pictures here, salt and light, and so I brought salt and light. Um, there's salt. Mediterranean, actually. Sea salt. And uh, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And there's, there's a principle here is that we wrote was get out of the salt shaker. Okay? If we're going to be the salt of the earth, then you need to get outside of yourself. You need to not isolate yourselves from the world. You have to be involved in people's lives. This salt is um, you know, obviously um, a very important thing for, for food, for preservation, and, but bottled up in here, it doesn't do any good. It's got to be shaken out. And that's the same way with our lives. He says, you are the salt of the earth. There's, this, uh, there's an emphatic statement there. Like, 
You are the only salt of the earth. You are the salt in a sense. It, it's not just, um, you know, you're a salt uh, in the sense of don't take this seriously. God really, you know, Jesus was really trying to get their attention. These two elements, salt and light, were extremely important in those days. The word you is a plural you, and so he's talking about all of you. You are the salt of the earth. The people who follow God, who's, who've experienced God's blessing in their life, then he's saying, together, you are the salt of the earth. So it's not like you can take this verse and think, I'm the salt of the earth. But you have to look at it and think, we are the salt of the earth. Working together, we are the salt of the earth. And it, again, like it does us no good to live in isolation. And so we actually have to you know, be shaken out, be involved. Um, it was funny that we... Uh, you know, had a child dedication. I think it's a neat picture of just presenting your kid back to God because there's, when you present your kid to God and your child to God, you're actually saying, here God, um, I, I trust him to you. I trust her to you. I trust the things that they're going to experience to you. That You're, you're involved in this. You're not going to rip us off. Um, oftentimes we want to hold, though, our, our children very close to us and not, not let them experience life and not let them you know, being too afraid of what could happen to them, so we hold it too tightly. Again, this idea of you're the salt of the earth is to be out, to be involved. But culturally, salt was a very, very important nutrient. It had some value to, to the people that Jesus was speaking to. The Romans were those who were in charge. When Jesus was saying these words, there was a Roman government. And salt actually literally meant divine. It was named Theon, which meant divine and for the Romans, salt was seen as the second most important thing. After the sun, salt was the next most important thing. And, you know, we all know salt is good for seasoning. It brings out the flavor and things, so there's a picture of that. But I think the main lesson that we get from why we are salt, why we're to be salt, is because of preservation. God is, is trying to preserve things in our world by spreading us out, by having us being shaken out. Because the need for salt is because things are corrupting. Things are decaying. Okay, um, Salt actually makes food or meat last longer. So back in those days, in the Bible days, in order to make meat last longer, they would rub it with salt. And so it had a high value because you could... You could um, you know, age, the food would age a little longer. Um, I don't like it when I go to the grocery store and I buy something and then it, it spoils. Well, you know, unless I'm rich, then that, that begins to burn, you know, burn a hole in my pocket if I'm just wasting money. And so there's a picture here that things are naturally spoiling in our world. Things are naturally corrupting in our world. And so God uses us. He sprinkles us around if we'll get out to preserve God's goodness in the world. To share salt back then, was it was so important that they would share salt with each other as an act of friendship. People would be paid in salt. Um, the Roman soldiers would often be paid in salt. That's where we get the term, this guy is not worth his salt because you know their life didn't measure up to being paid in salt. This just had high, high value. And so together... We are, are to influence people in a way that we preserve, we preserve life in our relationships. 
in a sense, our, our lives ought to be um, a refreshment to other people. When people interact with us and spend time with us on the job, in our neighbor, you know, among our neighbors, among our friends, they ought to experience this, man, this, this. Um, they ought to experience life through us because that's what preservation it prolongs life, and so our lives ought to bring life. There was a guy named uh, Michael Hart. He wrote a uh, a book. It was called The One Hundred. It's a ranking of the, the top one hundred most influential people in history. And the interesting thing about this book is that he ranks Jesus. He didn't put him first. He put Jesus as number three. And he ranked Jesus number three. He put Mohammed or Mohammed first. He put Sir Isaac Newton second. And then he put Jesus third. And when he was asked why, why he put Jesus third, here's what he said. He said, on his own account, Jesus would have easily been the most influential person in history. But the problem is his followers. They haven't done such a good job over the centuries of living out his message. So whether you agree with him or not, I think it's a great challenge to us. Jesus is saying we're to be salt. We're to be preserving, to be flavoring our culture and our world. But I think oftentimes we've neglected to do that. And so the world has had experiences with followers of Christ that just hasn't been all that much different. There hasn't been much life-giving, relating, and so... But we can bring a lot of joy into people's lives. We can really, um, just to start off in our homes, we can start there and just say, decide, I want to be, be salt. I want to preserve the life in my home. You can start with your own kids. Just sharing the goodness of God with them on a regular basis, that's like being salt. Just sharing what God has done in your life and reminding them of the good things that He's done, that's, that's being salt. Um, checking your attitude and just trying to keep your attitude in, in line in a way that's going to be a blessing to your family, that, that's like being salt. That's refreshing. That's life-giving. Praying for your kids at night, you know, that, that really flavors and preserves the goodness of God in their lives. You're asking for God to protect your children. That's, that's this idea of salt. Reading a Bible passage to your children, you know, and explaining what it means in real simple terms, that's like being salt to them. I'm trying to explain things to my youngest son, Gavin, and he's got, he's got little things down. And if you go and ask him, who's Jesus? He'll tell you. You know, he'll say, he died. And then he'll say, he's not dead. He's alive. But for a while, all he wanted to say is, he's dead. He's died. And I kept saying, no, he's alive. So now he's starting to say, he's alive. But we're trying to preserve, you know, our, those of us who are parents, we're trying to preserve life in our children. We're trying to if we don't, then the corruption of the world just takes its toll on our family. And then pretty soon, before we know it, you know, our, our families start experiencing all the corruption of the world, all the evil that's in the world. We really begin to experience that as well. In the workplace, you can be salt. You know, all of us you know, are interacting with different people on the job. Some of you might be teachers. And you're pouring into all these younger children, and, and they're paying attention, you know, just... I'd encourage you to try to listen to them when they're talking and when you're interacting with them. You know, that's a way to be salt. If you're in law enforcement, I know we've got some law enforcement officials here. Uh, by keeping our streets clean, just protecting and serving our community, if you'll walk in integrity and in truth, you'll walk according to God's ways, that's like being salt. You know, that's really important. And you know, We need you guys that are out there serving. 
But wherever you work, in the smallest acts of kindness, you can be salt. Jesus said this principle in, in uh, well, actually, Jesus said it. Someone in Acts 20.35, it's recorded that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's a principle here, is that when you're, when you're being salt, you get more joy. It comes back into your life when you're being when you're giving to other people, it comes back full circle. We experience God's goodness in our own life as we share what He's done. So just encouragement. Get out of the salt shaker. Salt is intended to be shaken out. Get outside yourself. But Jesus continues and He says this. He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Um, we have our light here, so I'm going to, we have this, and uh, we're going to dim the lights, and just to illustrate the point, you know, the salt is a powerful picture for, for the people that were listening in those days, um, but everybody knows the power of light. We don't need to explain how powerful it is, but we live in a dark world. Our world is full of darkness, there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. And so he's saying, just be a light for God. And as we turn on the light, it's interesting how much or how little light it really requires to, to really light a place up. You know? And even though we're not pitch black and we've got other little lights everywhere, you know, light just draws us in. You can see light from far away. You know, if you've ever been um, out camping, backpacking, you know, and you're just, you know, and there's no moon. But then when the sun comes up, you get up real early or whatever. You know, you can just see just a little bit of light, you know, from far away. Or, or if you've been driving and you're out in Montana and there's just, you know, not a lot of cities and you see the city lights. You, know, you can't mistake it. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, light is unmistakable. And so it's important. The passage says, you know, you don't, you don't light something and then cover it up. You know, you don't put it under... Um, something so that people can't experience light, but you, you set it up on a stand so that people can see it, be drawn to it. We can go ahead and bring the lights back up. Um, again, Jesus is stressing here. He's saying, you are the light of the world. He's not giving a command here. He's just say, he's saying, this is who you are. This is your state of being. You are the light of the world. And so, now the question is, now what are we going to do with that light? Are we going to... Because if you if you... If you walk with God and you've responded to Him, you know, begun a relationship with Jesus Christ, then this is who you are. You're the light of the world. God wants to use your life. Now you have an opportunity, because you are the light of the world, you have an opportunity to let that light shine in the way you relate to people. And for people to be drawn, people who are hurting and in pain, and people can be drawn not to you, but to God Himself. Scripture says um, that we turn on the lights by our deeds, by what we do. Okay, it says let your good deeds shine. Okay, so it's not that we're walking around and we're trying to like call attention to ourselves, like I'm a light, you know, and, and trying to get people to look at us. But what you're doing is you're you're loving, you're serving people, you're interacting with people. That's a light, and it draws people. Not to yourself, but it draws people to God. So we're to be a light in the world that we that we live in. This is a verse, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15. 
It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. I love this picture. In Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. So as we're walking around, we're, we're, we're God's, you know, we're His light bearers. In this, we're, we're spreading His aroma around. He's using us to, um, again, to draw people out of the darkness, to shine in people's lives. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. There's something different about relating to people who, who've surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. There should be something different. And it's to be like a, a sweet aroma when people interact with us to where they're like, mm, man, I, just, I enjoy that person. I enjoy spending time with that person. There's something refreshing about this person. Now that's, that's the kind of thing that God wants to do. He wants us to influence people through the way that we relate to them. Um, and maybe you're here today because you, you're searching for, um, you know, you're, you're interested in connecting with God, you're in the process of figuring out what that means, and you've met someone who, who, who walked with Christ, who walked with Jesus Christ, has a relationship with Him, and it's been like salt and light. It's been really refreshing to you. They've, they've been like life-giving friend to you, or life-giving co-worker to you, or life-giving neighbor or relative to you, and um, what I'd encourage you to do is to get to know the God that they serve. This passage says, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's the hope, is that as we interact with each other, people will be drawn to God. We have a, a seminar, Scott mentioned, it's coming up, it's Discovering Faith Dinner. It's next weekend, and it's basically an opportunity to learn what it means to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a dinner. There's no pressure to make any decisions at that. But what it is, is um, you'll be hearing some stories about some people that have decided to follow Christ as adults. And then um, you also learn what the Bible says it means to be a Christian, just the definition of a Christian. Give you an opportunity. If you're mulling on that, if you, if you think you're ready to take a step of faith towards God, then I, I'd encourage you to come to that, uh, meet some other people who are from our church. And um, we'd just love it if you attend. There's child care there for that. And also, if you're just trying to be salt, you've already decided you want to follow Christ and you're walking with God and you're just trying to be salt and light, what I'd encourage is don't worry about being perfect. Just try to be authentic with people. Try to be real with people um, and humble with people. But try to pass on the joy that we have inside. All those things that we looked at over the last four weeks, all the blessings that we've experienced in God, it's not intended to just be bottled up inside of us. He wants us to share that with others and bring be like salt and light in others. So let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to sing a few more songs in worship. Father, we thank you for just simple reminders. God, there's things that sometimes we encounter a passage in Scripture that is complicated, and sometimes we just read things that are very, very clear to us. And um, Lord, thank you, God, for clear passages like this, things that just remind us of, the, of who we are in you. For those of us that, that know you and follow you, we are salt. And we are light. And God, I ask that you give us the courage to um, be involved in the lives of others. Um, And God, that we would be a refreshment to people. Lord, that we wouldn't just make our lives all about us, but that we'd get past ourselves on a regular basis. Lord, help us today especially, Lord, to get past ourselves as we maybe have an opportunity to honor mothers. Lord, I pray that you'd remind us to do that. 
uh, maybe you know there's just today has um, possibly um, some unexpected things for the, for some of us, and so God, we don't know what the day holds, um, but God, I pray that you'd help us in our attitudes today. I pray you help us in our interaction with each other, and Lord, help us just to get outside of our little world and to influence the lives of others for all eternity. And thank you for your word and how it speaks to us in Jesus' name, Amen.